Alright, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez, I'm here with Marty Griffin and John Downing, and we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Fantabulous. <laughs> we are good. Yeah. Um, well, football season's over for me, so I'm looking forward <laughs> oh, to man. hockey season, which is starting in a couple weeks. Yeah, I don't which like is wild it. to think about. I don't like it one bit. I think it's ridiculous. Well, John, I mean, the only reason it feels so close is that your team was in the Stanley Cup final, so. And they just lost the other night. Well, good. They have a chance to quickly redeem themselves. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, look, let's get real here, okay? Most other se- professional sports season, you have at least four, five, six months of off season to get amped and ready and recover from your previous season, get like renewed and refreshed for the next season when it's approaching. With hockey, it's like, nope, we're just going to shove you right into next season. Here you go. Whoop-de-doo. Here we go. New season starting. And that's why, if you ask me, hockey doesn't start until the new year. For me, as a Bruins fan, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. I mean, back in the day when they were really not good, I wouldn't be till the playoffs. But now, you know, it's for the new, to the new year. So this October, November, full months of hockey, I don't like it one bit. Let's not forget, too, that... Most people's hockey season ends in April, you know. So it, as a Bruins fan, you are May, spoiled. June, yeah, July, August, and okay. for some, yeah. you know what I mean. Okay. So you're spoiled as a uh, well. You guys are usually out in the first round uh, or the second round after beating Toronto, right? <laughs> but and for uh, some, it doesn't begin until the end of January. <laughs> it depends when you want to get into it. Yeah. Exactly. It's like it's like. Uh, Baseball season's just beginning for I'm, me. Well, I'm very much the same with baseball. I'll get into it maybe, you know, 40 games out of the end of the season when everything's, you know, is tight and they're vying for playoff spots or they're going to make the playoffs. I'm not one to start from season one to watch unless it's a big game. I definitely, you know, look at the stats at the end of the game or catch a game here or there, but to say that I can watch every Red Sox game from the start of the season to the end of the season is damn near impossible for me as well, so... I think hockey and baseball are very much similar in that way. Over the time they're going to end, it's going to be a three and a half month break, and then it'll be spring training again as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, any way you slice it, you can't deny that we're getting into the most exciting uh, season for sports. So, we're all excited about that. And with that said, let's get right into our introduction here. Well, also, I just want to say, if we're getting paid for this, it was called job security, too. So, <laughs> Definitely not getting paid for this. In fact, it's, it's working in the opposite direction. But anyways, this is our 30, uh, 33rd episode, so let's get into our number 33s. I'll just kick it off with the obvious one with Johnny here. Okay, I'll go, so basically, like I went Magic Johnson, number 32, last week, so I'm going to go with his uh, counter partner. Um, from that era, and uh, Boston legend, Larry Legend, number 33 from the Boston Celtics. Uh, Larry Legend was born December 7th, 1956, six foot nine, 220 pounds. He was known for um, losing in the national championship game in 1979 against Michigan State, Magic Johnson's team, um, one of the most popular college basketball games that we talked about last week. 
Um, but he was drafted the prior year, 1978, uh, sixth pick overall, round one. Red Auerbach had the foresight to, at that time, you could draft a player and then they could stay in college for a year. So Auerbach had the foresight to see that Bird was going to be a phenomenal player. He took him sixth overall, you know, waited for the Indiana State season to play out, and then Larry Legend joins the team in 1979, and his career lasted until 1992. It was cut short because he had... He fought through a lot of back injuries and other issues and other ailments, uh, but the back was the main main problem. He was a three-time NBA champion. The Celtics won in 1981, 1984, and 1986. He be, uh, Bird being the Finals MVP in 84 and 86. Um, he was also a three-time NBA Most Valuable Player in consecutive seasons: 1984, 1985, 1986. A uh, 12-time NBA All-Star, uh, nine-time NBA All. All-NBA first team, consecutive seasons from 1980 to 1988. Um, he was known for his three-point shooting as he won the NBA three-point shootout championship three times from 86 to 88. Um, he was AP Athlete of the Year in 1986 for all professional sports, or for all sports in general. Uh, he was also the Rookie of the Year in 1980. And... Um, that's it. That's that's a lot for Larry Bird there. He was one of my favorite players to watch growing up. Um, he's the one who made me get into enjoying watching basketball. Uh, he was before before Jordan, and um, he was just one of my one of my favorite players. So never forget Larry Legend and the toughness that he showed and the fun times that he gave us as Boston sports fans. Absolutely, very iconic. I mean, you just won't ever forget him. You know, Magic, Jordan, just that, that time period was just phenomenal basketball for sure. I don't he think he talked ever a lot s- of trash too. Oh, phenomenal. I think, it was, I think it was said at one point, like going into the dream team practices of who talked the most trash between him, uh, Jordan, and Gary Payton at the time. Just like Gary Payton was one of those biggest trash talkers. And there's like some old video footage of Payton coming in and saying, because he was, Larry's kind of going out on his career as Payton was coming in. But Peyton, uh, Gary Payton said one day, he's like, I need to go back and, and get a master's degree in Larry Bird trash talking because I thought I was great at it. Um, yeah, he would tell you, he would go to a point on the floor and, you know, he would tell you where he was going to go on the floor and then go to that point, shoot it, hit it. He was just, he was that cocky, that confident. And also remember how good of a passer he was. You know, how everyone says passer. LeBron James is like the greatest passer at 6'9", as a point forward. Uh, Larry Bird was the point forward first. He was a tremendous passer. It's like he had eyes in the back of his head. And this was before a time period of like illegal defenses where people could pack in in the zone or pack in the paint and just camp out there of like what he could create and, and how he created in the lane was amazing. Yeah, he was part of the big three with, uh, obviously, Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. And, you know, they won three championships, but I think they should have, you know, maybe one more. I think they would tell you that they, they could have, could have, should have won more. But yeah, either sure. way, Larry Bird. All right. Uh, well, I guess I'll go next with my <laughs> with my uh, consolation prize, and we'll get into <laughs> a little bit further of, of, of why I earned that. But not a bad second person to talk about. Actually, there was a lot of 33 special back at basketball-wise with Larry Bird. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Patrick Ewing, but I'm going to go with uh, Scottie Pippen. Big, huge influence for me. That was uh, my high school years, my, my, my prime time of going through uh, junior high and growing up in high school. Basketball was my number one sport, my most loved sport. Uh, and to be a Bulls fan at that time with Michael Jordan uh, and this 
kind of unknown guy coming up in the league, uh, you know, from University of Central Arkansas, of all places, where you never really heard of back in the day getting scouted out of the NAIA Collegiate League uh, to be known among the NBA and be sought, sought after to be drafted. This was a guy who was a 6'1 point guard in high school. Um, and Don Dyer, just as coach of uh, University of Central Arkansas, just had his eye on this kid and just saw his potential. He's actually a point guard in high school, but in his junior year hit a growth spurt in college and grew seven more inches from 6'1 to 6'8 and just became this dominating force of averaging almost 25 points a game, uh, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, and shooting at a 60% level. Um, and the scouts were all over him at that point, drafted at a great time. Just a comp- uh, complimentary pick for Michael Jordan in the triangle offense. Um, they were just dominant. I mean, anybody who knows basketball knows what this guy has done, what the Bulls did throughout those years. Uh, six-time NBA champion from 91 to 93. Uh, then turned around for a three-peat again from 96 to 98. Seven-time NBA All-Star. Three-time All-NBA first team. Two-time All-NBA second team. Eight-time, eight-time NBA All-Defensive first team. Um, defensive just just beast on the court and it was a great sound bite, sound bite could have been our sound bite of the week too where Dennis Rodman's like you know what do you think he's sitting next to Scottie Pippen on, on um, the NBA show on ESPN and he's like anybody who wants to say Garnett uh, changed the league at the small forward position or Garnett you know Durant those guys uh, needs to uh suck Scotty's bleep because he was the man who paved the way for those small forwards in the NBA. Just very Dennis Rodman-esque. He was promoting his 30 for 30, which I haven't got to see yet, which I'm excited to watch. But definitely, I can go on and on about this guy. Also, a dream team member as well, Johnny with Bird. It was just most dominating uh, Olympic basketball teams ever to like touch the floor um, and said most of, the, most of the ever competitive games those guys ever played in their lives, even outside the NBA, was during those practices for okay. the dream team. Um, great documentary. Maybe wants to watch that about the Dream Team. Uh, some phenomenal, like unseen footage of those practices as well. But yeah, my thirty-three, Scotty Pippen, the man. All right. And uh, when we brought up, we kind of talking uh, like we do uh, before we get this going. Still pissed at you. <laughs> and I asked Marty what his number thirty-three was going to be, and he goes Dorset. I said, of course. No fucking way. <laughs> This guy went to my high school, so I'm taking him. And uh, Tony Dorsett, or as he was called in Western Pennsylvania at the time, Anthony Dorsett. Hopewell High School? Hopewell High School, Hopewell Vikings. We retired his jersey in 2001. I was there. Dedicated the field, uh, Tony Dorsett Stadium. And I actually had the pleasure of meeting him and getting some stuff signed, uh, which actually... Uh, the family dog wound up chewing up, so I don't have oh any of... Oh, my God. I hope that thing's buried like eight feet deep. <laughs> uh, well, yes, the dog has been dead for quite some time now, of natural causes. You know where he's buried? I'm not digging him up and beat him around. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up, Marty. That's my family <laughs> dog. Okay. It's okay. Dorset memorabilia, man. You'd be rich right now. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Anyways, dominant football player, obviously... Johnny Major saw him play and recruited him to the University of Pittsburgh. 
He was the first freshman All-American uh, in 29 years at that time and had 1,586 yards in 11 games. Brought pit football uh, back on the map a little bit. Him and another uh, gentleman by the name of Daniel Marino, may have heard of him. Solid guy. Yeah. Uh, he went by Anthony at the time. As I said, it, it was funny. One of the stories he was telling when he was there is he's, he's like, you know, they cha- they changed my name. I was Anthony Dorset. Everybody called him Dorset. You know, it's, right. it's very, very Western Pennsylvania kind of way of you know pronouncing things. <laughs> Lancaster, you know, Lancaster, in, yeah, instead exactly. of Lancaster. But anyways, you get down to Texas, they stretch it out a little bit. Oh yeah. But the uh, the athletic department at Pitt convinced him to start going by Tony uh, because they thought it was very marketable to have his initials be TD. Uh, three games into his sophomore season, he became Pitt's all-time leader in rushing yards and as a senior helped lead Pitt to a national title, winning the Heisman Trophy, the Maxwell Award, Award, and the Walter Comp Award. He was a three-time first-team All-American and a one-time second-team. He finished his college career with 6,082 total rushing yards, and that was the NCAA record until it was broken in 1998 by... Ricky Williams. Okay. There you go. I was at that game. No kidding. Absolutely. Wow. 1994 College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, the Panthers retired his number 33 jersey, and there is a Dorset Street around Heinz Field. Nice. He was drafted second overall in 1977 by the Cowboys, who traded a first round and three second round picks to Seattle, uh, who was then a, an expansion team, uh, to pick him up. He became the Rookie of the Year. He won a Super Bowl in 1977, uh, that same year, becoming the first player to win a college and professional championship in back-to-back years. On a Monday night football game in 1983, he broke a 99-yard touchdown run against the Vikings, which is the longest run from scrimmage in NFL history. Was tied last year by who? Johnny? I don't know. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Oh, wow. Funny uh, wrinkle in that story: the Cowboys only had ten men on the field at the time, and he oh, still yeah, and he still pu- pulled that off. Yeah, right. Uh, he's tenth all time in yards with twelve thousand seven hundred thirty nine yards, seventy seven rushing touchdowns, <clears throat> thirteen receiving touchdowns, four time Pro Bowler, first team All Pro, two time second team All Pro, Cowboys Ring of Honor, Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the first of only two players to ever win a Heisman a Super Bowl, and a college national championship, the other being Marty. Ooh, I do not know that one. Last week's 32 for you. Forgot already. Marcus Allen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, crazy career, too, from 77 to 85. Was a 1,000-yard rusher, except for the exception of his the lock- injury, the-, the lockout year, which he's uh, 700 yards. But, you know... One thing to point out was that 81 season, too, 1,683 yards uh, rushing season that year, which was wild to think about back in those days of how they stacked the line against the run. The guy rushed for 342 times that year, which is absolutely unheard of back then. Uh, he was absolute beast. He was definitely, you know, growing, growing up for me, uh, probably one of the most iconic players that will stand out in my mind, with the exception of the glory years with Aikman, um, Irving, and, and Emmett. But still, if, if I was, you were asking me today who was my favorite player ever to, 
to strap on the pads and the star on the helmet, it'd be Tony Dorsett. He was a phenomenal player, a great advocate for the city uh, charities. My uh, uncle was a big time uh, JCs, which used to be a local charities throughout the state of Texas, and him and Tony Hill, which was a receiver at the time for the Cowboys, used to raise over. Back in those days, it'd probably be over a million nowadays, but used to raise over fifty grand a year for for that charity alone. Got to meet Tony Hill. Was thinking I was going to get to meet Tony Dorsett in '81 when I was six years old, but he couldn't show up because he was injured that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just an- another story. Uh, when my dad was, uh, I think, either in high school or middle school, uh, his best friend uh, passed away of a brain aneurysm that was caused from a hit he received during practice. Uh, my dad was actually at the practice with him, and he, you know, he went down and it just said he felt funny, and you know, went home and wound up dying that night. And um, it was my dad's best friend, a guy named uh, Byron. They called him Boogie. He was a he was a running back, incredibly gifted. I heard stories about him my entire life. Yeah. Anyways, Tony Dorsett was his favorite player, and he made an appearance at the funeral, and uh, and came to pay his his respects. And uh, when we did the stadium dedication in Hopewell, and uh, uh, Tony came for that, and we got to meet him. My uh, my dad brought that up and and he remembered that and so um, you know you wonder how many of of those things he's done as a as a philanthropist as a member of the community as someone who's going out and meeting a ton of people and mm-hmm. you know uh, the people remember that for the rest of their lives well you know it he he's also carrying some of that with him and it just really proved what a good guy he was that right. you know he he remembered that and. And, uh, you know, it obviously meant something to him. So my number three, Tony Dorsett. Yeah, and to speak of that. 33, he, excuse yeah, me. And he was, he's a big advocate right now because he's one of the latest to be uh, having issues with CTE as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, All right. right. So uh, Johnny's got the, f- the baseball. We're watching so, Giants in Boston right now as we speak. It's Tuesday, right, so Tuesday night. So what happened is the Giants are playing at the Red Sox today. Now this is the Giants coming to play at Fenway Park happens once every six, maybe once every eight years, okay? And the Giants have this young kid on their team named <clears throat> Mike Yastrzemski. Now, if you know baseball at all, you yeah. know Carl Yastrzemski was the mm-hmm. one of the Red Sox legends. <coughs> if it wasn't for Ted Williams, Carl Yastrzemski would probably be known, or David Ortiz, but Carl Yastrzemski would probably be known as the greatest Red Sox of all time. So Carl, uh, Mike Yastrzemski is playing for the Giants, visiting Fenway for the first time. Carl Yastrzemski is in attendance. They're walking around the stadium, around left field in Fenway Park this afternoon. Uh, Yastrzemski, the kid, he has uh, about 40 of his family members and friends in Fenway Park tonight for his special visit. So it's uh, kind of a Yaz day at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. Well, That's wild. He just hit a home run. No shit. Yeah, we're about to watch it here right now. Excellent. So... Pretty cool stuff right there. That'll make good radio. You know, it's something. Well, you know, it's something. <laughs> you know, it's the Red Sox season is is over. You know, there's technically what twelve more games, but you know, it's crazy. For a day us. like this is well, cool. It's crazy for us. Probably you, you and I, John, have been watching baseball for a long time. Just seeing some of these kids, you know, second, third generation kids with you know coming up through the league. You got uh, Craig Biggio's son, who's who's in the league now as well. 
So they're showing uh, Mike Jastrzemski. He's the grandson of Carl Jastrzemski, obviously. He was born in Andover, Massachusetts. He attended St. John's Prep in Danvers, Massachusetts. Oh, he was drafted by the Red Sox? He was drafted by the Red Sox in the 36th round in 2009, but he did not sign. He ended up getting drafted again by the Orioles the next year, played in the minors for the Orioles for, you know, a number of games. Yeah. And then the Giants liked him, so they traded for him. And this is his first... So he actually could have been a first, you know, he could have been a Red Sox as well. Well, I'm trying to get it. He could have, yeah. yeah. And so this is his first true like chance at a at an opportunity in the big leagues, and he's had a great season. He's had uh, 19 home runs coming into tonight, so he's got 20 home runs now, and he's played about half the season. So he looks like he's a pretty good young ball player. So now, he's not that young. I think he's like 26 or 27 now. He's young to me. <laughs> oh, this is probably the pitch, isn't it? Yep. There it goes. There it goes. Oh, deep Dead center, center too. Field. Holy shit! Got all of it. Boom. Good wow. for good for him. That'd be a ball to have. Oh, for sure. He needs to get that back. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to get that back. Like they got to make sure whatever it takes to get that ball back to him. Probably that, one of the best ballparks something. to hit, hit hit your home run in to get that back too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's a very very savvy crowd in that ballpark. Uh, couple... Look, they're all cheering for him. Those are all Reds like Red Sox fans cheering for him. A Giants player in Fenway Park. They, you just don't see that. And they're all everyone. Everyone's giving a standing ovation. You got to throw in the fact we're really not competing for anything right now either. True, but I think even but if they were the probably, case, I think that you maybe know, not as much, but still mutters of applause throughout the stadium. Yaz is a name that just does it for for people in Fenway, you know. So absolutely. Couple other baseball notes. Uh, some Mike Trout news. Uh, yeah, Mike Trout had foot surgery on I think it was Sunday, so his season is going to end early. I think he finishes the season. With 130 games played, is it going to be enough to get the AL MVP? We think so because his OPS was 1.089, which is um, you know almost 100 points better than the next best guy, which is Alex Bregman. But Bregman's going to have about 100 more at bats or 20, 25 more games than Trout. So if you get catch, if if Bregman catches fire, he could overtake Trout, but. I don't know. I think it's pretty... It seems to me like everyone's pretty set on Trout being winning his third AL MVP this year. Um, and the other thing that he didn't get to achieve was he had finished the season with 45 home runs, and that was his career high, and he's never led the American League in home runs, and he would have if he had kept playing, but unfortunately, Jorge Soler just tied him up last night, and now it looks like Soler, you know, he has 12 games to overtake him, so it looks like Trout won't win the AL home run crown this year. Wow. And then on the flip side, in the National League, we got our other MVP, Christian oh. Yelich, going out for the Brewers, which would seem like a death sentence, death killer. You know, it happened like uh, a week to ten days ago, but the but Brewers have gone 9-1 since. But yeah. they've had an easy, easy schedule. And people have been stepping up for it in this place. Oh, yeah, Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun um, has Mike been. Mike has yeah, hit a bunch absolutely. of bombs. Absolutely. Uh, another injury, uh, season ending, maybe career ending, uh, Kipnis for... Indians as well. Yeah, so he got hurt. Uh, he had a big time struggle this year, and he's he's done. Going to get uh, surgery on his wrist. Pretty much will be done with the Indians to see if he gets back uh, to any type of playing uh, career in the future. But he he might be overall done. So they're going to be they're missing him, Jose Ramirez. Who, if you play fantasy baseball, it was Trout, Jose Ramirez, and Yelich were the top picks for the year, and they're all out for the season. And then Kluber, he's out. So. They've, the Indians have suffered through a lot of injuries this year. Well, I mean, maybe we should jump on the fact to and ask you, Johnny, do the Indians squeak in 
above the Razor Athletics for that last wild card spot? How do you see that playing out going these next two weeks? I think the A's are in. Yeah, I do. I think that their schedule is easy enough and they're playing well enough. I think that they're in. Um, yeah, the Indians might make it too, though. Their schedule's easy. Tampa's got a tricky schedule. If, if So Tampa has four more games against the Red Sox and three more against the Yankees. I, I It all depends how the Red Sox play it. If the Red Sox are going to play like they're playing tonight, which is like, we don't care. And yeah. Mookie's out too. Mookie's out with a foot injury. And he might not play again for the rest of the season. You know, if the Red Sox are mailing it in, which it seems like they are, then I'd give it to Tampa. But if the Red Sox are going to be like, hey, we're not going to make the playoffs, we don't want you to make the playoffs, and we're going to fight you hard, then maybe Cleveland sneaks in. But it's a tight race. It's a tight race. And, you know, we'll we'll have a show next week, and I'm sure we won't even know by then. Exactly. And just to be fair and jump on the other side, which is tight as well, and and this is kind of like, it's been a dog race between Phillies, Brewers, Cubs, and Nationals going in. Phillies are out. Phillies are out, you know, five games back, two weeks too left. Too far. Brewers are hot right now. You got one game behind the Cubs uh, and then a game and a half behind the Nationals. That is a tough Nationals are race. falling back. They yeah. are falling back. They, they are in danger of choking away a, a spot that looked clinched. All right. And But here's the thing. So the Cubs and the Cardinals play seven times in the last ten days. Cubs and Cardinals. Cubs and Cardinals. And two games so they back, could beat each yeah, other up, and the Brewers could sneak in, in and right ruin there. everybody's postseason party because nobody wants the Brewers now with Yelich out. With Yelich done for the year, why do you want the Brewers? Right. Nobody does. They, their pitching is terrible, and what do they have for offensive stars now besides an aging Ryan Braun and an ugly Mike Moustakis? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. So the Bruins might so crash. Mean. Bruins might crash the uh, Brewers might crash the uh, postseason party for everybody. If the Cubs and Cardinals kind of beat up on each other and the Nationals dip back, which they are. Now, if I buy you an Astros hat when this is all said and done, will you wear it and go against your Dodgers that you're daunting right now in your head? <laughs> Let me tell you, I've been going through all the hats and looking at which who I'm rooting for. I just ordered an A's hat. That just got shipped out today. Did you really? Yeah. Oh. I'm thinking of ordering a Twins hat. You can't uh, think color I'm coordinate a, with those green Cardinals and yellow. I just like hats. Come on. I like hats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I don't know. I think in the American League, obviously, I'm not rooting for the Yankees. I'm not going to root for the Astros. So I think I'll go for the A's or the Twins. In the National League, I'm going to go for the Dodgers, maybe the Braves. All right. I don't, I don't, I don't right. like the Cubs. Right. I'll, put the, I'll put the Astros hat on back order then. <laughs> um, in other news, the Pirates have finally made the headlines in oh, September. <laughs> Uh, but not in the not way good. not in the way any of us would have hoped. Fel- your search history, man. Felipe Vasquez charged with the sexual assault of a child. He was initially charged with computer pornography and soliciting a child and uh, providing obscene materials to minors. But he was just arrested on Tuesday and arraigned on uh, statutory sexual assault of a minor, eleven years or older. Unlawful contact with a minor, corruption of minors, as well as one misdemeanor indecent assault of a less of a person less than sixteen years old, which at the time was thirteen, right? Uh, yes. Well, they met when they when they were thirteen, and they have had an ongoing relationship via the phone. Uh, and she is now fifteen. So uh, does the girl have parents? Like, well, here's the here? here's the fucked up thing: is the girl's mother found the text, and then she screenshotted the stuff and sent. A message to Vasquez informing him that uh, her daughter was a minor, and there were there was more 
communication between Beyond that. Yeah, yeah, after that. So, so I didn't stop him, it wasn't enough. Yeah, exactly. So he's obviously he's obviously fucking done so done. Yeah. Um, well he got in a fight with um one of the other relief pitchers, Ryan Ryan Crick or Click, and he like he knocked Click out out cold and to the point where his his season's over and he needed to go to the hospital and get like emergency surgery on his face. Hmm. So there was a big fight in the Pirates Clubhouse last week between him and the other guy. If he was my teammate, I'd be fucking fighting him too. That's right. f- fucking disgusting. And then it makes you wonder because his name was the major piece that everyone was talking about from the Pirates to tr- acquire at the trade deadline. I know the Dodgers we're mentioned to have a lot of interest in him because Kenley Jansen is a little bit shaky for the Dodgers in the back end, and they thought Vasquez could, you know, be the potential last piece that they need. And so you you thought Vasquez was going to get traded, and now seeing all this, you got to think like if some of these teams did their proper vetting of him, they were like, you know what, this guy is a nightmare. Let's stay away. <laughs> That's his nickname, the nightmare. Yeah. What a yeah. fucking nightmare. Yeah, he's living up to that name in so many different ways. And when it comes to sharing obscene material with minors. Was that just the Pirates' record, or is that more? Oh, <laughs> oh, come on. Too soon? Come on. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, Marty. Uh, just a couple NHL uh, notes before we get into our clip of the week here. Pee break. <laughs> uh, Mitch Marner finally signed his RFA deal. Uh, striking gold with Toronto, six-year deal with an average annual value of uh, 10.8 to give you a little bit of context, Matthews is getting 11.6 and Tavares is getting 11. Um, so they're not going to have any other players. They're not going to have room to sign anybody else. And should be fun. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a shit show there, and they're never going to win. So on the good, flip side, the Bruins got some amazing deal steals. Absolutely, uh, they were able to sign Charlie McAvoy to a, a nice little bridge deal, a three-year, 4.9 uh, a year, three for 15 total. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good, uh, good deal for the, good deal for the team. Good deal for Charlie. And uh, it enabled them to parlay that into signing Brandon Carlo for two years, five point seven million. Another, I, like lead, I like your lead in, Johnny. Well done. It was just perfectly done by <laughs> Sweeney, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Whole, nobody thought they could get both done. Everyone was like, "Oh, you got to pick and pick one, pick one." It was very smart to to do the bridge deal for Charlie because he's he's going to get super paid after this, and who knows. Maybe you can get um, another whack at the cup with the team you have right now in that time. If not, you can uh, rebuild rebuild with one of, with him as one of your centerpieces. Uh, you you would imagine Big Z will be out or on his way out by then. You think he'll um, retire? Ever? Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Have you seen him skate? Uh, Zach Wierenski also nice little team friendly three year deal, fifteen million. A uh, little wrinkle in this one, though, uh, is when it ends in 2020, uh, he'll have one more year of re- restricted free agent status, and his salary will rise to $7 million, setting the floor for his new deal. So uh, if you got any kids out there, make him puck-moving defenseman, well, you're and they're going to get fucking paid. The big one. You're talking about the big one? Philadelphia? Ivan Provorov? Ivan Provorov. Right, exactly. He got the big deal for six years, $40 million, or an annual average... A value of six point seven five million per year. Mm-hmm. So Provorov gets the big money. Oh yeah, and uh, and and decent term too. I mean six six years is um, pretty good. For, yeah. What was that like forty million? Forty million. That'll do. Wait, no. Yeah, forty million. Yeah. Yeah, that'll 
That'll be nice for him. <laughs> and then there's still a couple RFAs out there. Matthew Kachuk still has yet to sign. Miko Rantanen, who led the league in scoring for much of the year last year, uh, has yet to sign. Huge part of that first line in Colorado. Braden Point for the Lightning, who, for my money, is really the future there. And Patrick Laine of the Jets, who... Uh, he's on again, off again. He's so, yeah, he's so streaky that I can see why teams are going to be reluctant or the jets at least are going to be reluctant to give him too much for too long, but he will get that somewhere. So, uh, I think he, at this point is the biggest candidate for an offer sheet already. And moving into our clip of the week, Cam Newton looking like the big bad wolf in Little Red Riding Hood. Or an extra in a Tyler Perry movie. Or like <laughs> Louise from Thelma and Louise yeah, that's right. about to drive off the cliff. That's right. Yeah. Oh, driving the football he's, he's team. Driving the whole, yeah, exactly. Driving Face the football that. team off the cliff. <laughs> All right, so enjoy the words of Cam Newton. Whatever play is called, um, and we had our opportunities game to come down to me not running the football. Um, but, you know, times we were lethargic, times we were flat offensively, you know, but we just got to, that, that comes with, that comes with, um, like, progression, you know. You know, when, when you, you know, you go out and get first downs and you go out and get touchdowns, you know, it becomes contagious positively. But, you know, just as that is contagious, you know, the – lethargicness or, you know, being stagnant is also that, and that's what you're seeing tonight. Cam, we've seen you for years, fourth and one or less than one, quarterbacks need first down. It seemed like it was almost a guarantee tonight. You guys threw once, did the Wildcat tonight. Why have y'all gone away from what's worked for a long time? I don't know. I can't answer that question. How Uh, physically capable of running, running do you feel? I do. I mean, I feel okay. You know, um... You know, but you're not going to hear no type of reasons why tonight didn't go as planned. I have to be better. No matter what physical condition I'm in, no matter what foot, shoulder, I ain't get the job done tonight, man. And it's, and it's frustrating. I wish I could say something other than that. But, you know, that's that's the facts. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an extremely brutally honest person. You know, with people, and I'm extremely brutally honest with myself. And I got it's time for me to look myself in the mirror and, you know, do some real soul searching because I had opportunities tonight and um, I didn't get it done. All right, and we're back, Johnny. What do you think Cam Newton sees when he looks in the mirror? God. <laughs> Marty, what do you think? <laughs> I was going to, I was just going to failure. <laughs> no, but guys like see, that never have this that way. have this view of themselves like they're godlike. They do. That's how they see themselves. I'm just wondering if, like, and it's been talked, like, he just knows, like, it's become this thing with what he wears, that like, he's just doing it purposefully now, just see how Absolutely. far he can push the boundaries. Yeah. But, oh, I, this team's in rough shape. They got, th- they got a lot of things to figure out. When Olsen is your leading receiver uh, in week two, and... Especially when you have one of the most dynamic backs in the entire league. Well, and Johnny has a point when we're talking the other night, texting back and forth with each other. It's just like this this turnaround in Thursday Night Football and what a joke it is. Especially for backs and, and key, you know, spots, uh, meaning like receivers, backs, quarterback. It's just, it's just tough. 
you're banged up to shit in the three recovery days. time. Three day recovery After time. After thirty touches. Yeah. From McCaffrey. Yeah. You know, and, and, and to see what he did in week one to turn around and what he couldn't do in week two is definitely, you know, a, a huge argument for why these games need to be just taken away from the schedule. Give us two Monday night games. Bingo. That's it. Bingo. That's the solution, the two Monday night games. You know, I know that's that. the winning ticket right there. And they, like tried, they tried it out week one. Well, they do it every year week one. Every year week yeah. one they have two Monday night games because... Yeah, and then you have so you have the seven o'clock game, and then you have the ten twenty game. Boom, boom, perfect. You and get people the, will watch it, you know. People I, will watch it because Thursday night football made Christian McCaffrey look bad. That's almost impossible to do. No teams can make McCaffrey look bad. Thursday night football took away Christian McCaffrey. Was this a whole ploy to make people buy Directv in the football packages, or was this something that they paid the league because they pushed it so hard? Back in the day, it had to be part of some on, TV deal. It had right. to be something to say, all right, let's take one game away that people would want to watch, but they can't access because it's not on national TV, and they'll have to pay for it. The grab NFL package. Network shit. Yeah, absolutely, because you'd have to like grab the package, you know, unless it's regional, which you'll get it mm-hmm. if it's Thursday night game. If it, if it's the Patriots in this area or the Giants, you'll you'll get it. But if it's anything you want to see outside your your normal viewing uh, zone, like you're not going to be able to pick that up. So I think it's just money driven to have this Thursday night game. You're not going to do Saturday night because you're going to lose that in college football ratings. Right. You know, that's why they can't do that. Um, But yeah, I agree. It's just, I don't think it's very fair to the players. It it just increases the chances of injury. Mm -hmm. It increases your chances of losses. I think if that's the case, Every team should have to play at least once in the season the Thursday night game to make it fair. And you're making your best players, your best product, look bad. Yeah, absolutely. And this was a key game for them to win, Mm -hmm. meaning Carolina, to stay relevant in in their division. I I still think they have an opportunity, but... Not if Cam's not going to run. A, it you know, this is a team that's really need to try to figure out how it needs to be potent on the offensive side. Uh, B, I'm still not convinced that that shoulder for Cam Newton is 100% healthy. Oh, he's wearing a walking boot today. Yeah, so he is definitely beat up. Are you sure that's not just for styling? <laughs> yeah, no, because it was leaked by one of his teammates, Eric Reed. They didn't want people knowing it, but Eric Reed let it out. You know, I mean, he did spread the ball out quite a bit in that game, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but there's still, like... I don't know. I mean, it kicked off a bad week of football. Remember last week how I talked about week one wasn't as bad as it usually yeah. is. This week was, was a lot bad. of bad week of football. And guess what? I got news for you, folks. It's only probably going to get worse. Um, the Monday and not to, so we're talking a bash and Thursday night football. This week we get Titans Jaguars, which is not going to be pretty. But the Monday night schedule for like the next eight weeks is horrendous as well. Yeah. And you take. You know, whatever you think of Ben Roethlisberger, you take him away from the Steelers. Now it makes the Steelers games ugly to watch. You take away Drew Brees from the Saints, and now Saints games are not as good to watch. The league is is getting watered down right now. Uh, the Browns aren't what we thought they were. Baker Mayfield doesn't look like in their offense, and their team doesn't look like what we thought they were. Trubisky looks like a shell of even what he was last year. We have a quarterback issue in the league, and... A uh, uh, dumb lot of dumb teams in the league, and it it looks like right now it looks dire. But I'm sure by week four or five, hopefully Those some things will some cream will start be rising to the top. Because as of right now, it looks like all you have is like a handful of teams, and that's it. You got the Patriots, yeah. the Chiefs, the Ravens. You Cowboys. got the Cowboys and the Rams, and 
I don't know, maybe the Seahawks. I, or, yeah. I don't know who else you we'll want to see. throw in there. The Packers. Packers yeah. are watchable. but They're watchable just because you want to see the fucking stupid fights on the sideline between Rodgers and the new head coach. But uh, brings up some news to talk about, too, with some few, few movements uh, and possible mu- movements coming in the league. Fitzpatrick, not the Fitzmagic Patrick uh, from Miami, but we do have one moving if you – that makes you feel good on the defeat defensive end, Nesto. You know, with uh, Fitzpatrick, the safety for Miami, Minka, Minka getting what he wanted out of the hell out of Miami and that sinking ship, or that dying fish, if you whatever you want to call it. But can uh, I ask a question? It's kind of like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. I'd rather Why? have the first. I'd rather have the the That's first my round question. pick. Right, you have an opportunity to get a top five or top ten pick now with Roethlisberger out for the year next Ex- year. That's exactly. Set yourself up with the next quarterback. And the Steelers are like, no, we'll give that to Miami. Let them work on getting Tua and somebody else to go with them. We'll just wait for Ben to come back, and then we'll be 6-10 and 10 this year. Well, here's a question. That it's already been a uh, little whispers of possible I th- things. Going. I think they believe in Mason Rudolph. I th- I think, do you do? I think do you think they do? They, they, so everything that I hear is that they had had them on the board as a first-round talent. They thought he was going to be a late first-round talent. And then so when he was still on the board uh, in the third round after they had addressed some needs um, last year, they were like, well, shit, we have to get him. And that kind of um, made a lot of people scratch their heads in Pittsburgh because they had just picked up Josh Dobbs the year before. Well, Rudolph was always highly touted going into college and in college. Right. So but he slipped. He he did he did fall, and they picked him up, and apparently they liked what what they saw there because he did win the backup job from Dobbs, and then they sent Dobbs over to to Jacksonville for a for a fifth round pick, which hell that's a hell of a deal, and I th- I think they I think they really believe that he's the future there, and. Um, I didn't hate what I saw. I mean, I didn't love it. It wasn't Ben in 2004, but... I just think in that division, if you get stronger defensively, maybe you think you can eke by right under the the Ravens and and maybe squeak into a wild card spot. You know, the Browns don't look, as, like you said, as sharp as they should or what they've ma- what we made them out to be They're gonna coming be one into the season. The Browns are going to be 1-7. You think so? Um, they got a hard schedule. Exactly my point. You know, Jets got a great defense, no offense. I think there's going to be a lot of the same kind of type of parity with a lot of teams in the AFC of good defensive, not so great offenses besides the, the likes of the, of the Patriots um, and the Ravens. I mean, I just don't know if they feel like they can beef up on that end. There's been whispers, and it's kind of getting to another uh, topic of of with him being replaced again the second half is do the Giants try to uh, – persuade Eli to drop the no trade clause and go fill in for a team that might need him this year and Somebody make a little money. Um, there's oh, been, who there's, the fuck would want Eli? Have he's in the quarterbacks in the league? Yeah, he's an average quarterback, quarterback who the Saints How much could is use. Kirk Cousins getting paid? Exactly. Exactly, yeah. Uh, there's been talk about Carolina. There's been As a notable backup for Cam, there's been talk about him going behind uh, and being right there with Drew Brees if he was a fall again or his, his uh, rehab goes longer and that fails. There's been whispers of the Steelers. Um, That's not going to happen. They're going to ride Rudolph. Um, and uh, Jacksonville as well. So there's, there's a possibility that the Giants can salvage something in the future for themselves by getting Eli out of there. This is a sinking ship, which is the Giants itself right now. 
they're not going to do anything relevantly okay this year, which just sucks for Barkley, uh, who is a premier back, but that offense is atrocious, and they're not going to do anything in that division. It's already been proven that Washington's better than them, Philadelphia, and by far Dallas is better than them. They're going to come last in that division this year. So whatever you think of Ben, uh, no, so whatever you think of Eli and Cam Newton, they join the likes of Big Ben and Drew Brees as guys who likely aren't going to be available for the coming weeks for the NFL, and those are t- more marquee names, quarterback names that you're taking off the shelf. So and you it need just, a bet. it's a crazy situation to, the, to look at the quarterback matchups in the league now going forward. It's kind of kind of ugly. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the NFL is shitting its pants right now when it comes to ratings in a, in a way because there is not what it's lived up to be coming into the season this year. Nope. Foles went out early. Yeah, the Jags. absolutely. Uh, Garoppolo's been a, a bright, shining light, and the San Francisco's been kind of a little uh, a, a highlight in the first two weeks. I mean, they beat um, Tampa and Cincinnati, but I'll, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's true. I will say uh, one more thing about uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. I think part of the reasoning around picking him up and feeling comfortable giving the first-round pick is he was a first-round talent. He's only 22 years old. Uh, he's going to be way cheaper uh, than anything else we could bring in to fix that hemorrhaging defense because it looks bad back there. Um, if you keep him long term, then the the youth on this team is phenomenal. They're they're building towards something. In yeah, my it mind. really it really feels like the it's it's a bit of a rebuild year. Um, I'm excited to get uh, Mason Rudolph a bunch of experience this year. Hopefully he does well. I'll be happy finishing eight eight and eight. Well, one last person to talk about who's demanding a trade and people are salivating to the opportunity to possibly get the chance in woo the Jaguars, especially after the meltdown on the sidelines. Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. Um, this is, you know, I would love to think that somebody like the Cowboys get their hands on them, but that's far-fetched because we still got to worry about Dak and Amari Cooper and getting those guys Is signed. this another I mean, guy, though, that you don't Chiefs. want on your team? Though? Yes, absolutely. No, yeah. I don't disagree, okay, because the diva wide receiver is a problem because – they're a problem for the offensive coordinator because they demand the ball. They're a problem for the quarterback yeah. because they get in their ear and they demand the ball and they, they never shut up. And so they're causing problems with the offensive game plan. But the but the diva cornerback... they got to shut down. they got to show they up. They just have one job to do, and yeah. that's go cover the be- uh, best teams. And he wants they, to be the The other best. team's best receiver. Yeah. That's all he's got to do. So I don't think he's... I don't... I don't see the diva cornerbacks as big of a problem as I do the diva wide receiver. Right. Yeah, I get that. Right. And with that said, I mean, like you said, you said the Chiefs, uh, it's been, you know, whispers of the Rams, even the Patriots, who... Patriots, fuck, don't, need, Patriots don't even need them. They don't even need them, but oh, fuck, did we need Antonio Brown, to be honest? Did did we need... Did you need Antonio Brown with that no. year? I mean, if, I, mean no. I know he was a, a great option no. B if Gordon fails in a lot of ways. I was sky high on Antonio Brown the moment it happened and the day after. I'm I'm about mid halfway back down to the ground. You're more than just day after. You're up until the week he played up until yesterday. Yeah, it lasted for a while. Yeah. yeah. Even right. watching him on game You're day. You're glowing. But got- the more stories we're getting sidetracked here, but the more stories I hear about Antonio Brown, it's just this guy is hard to root for. He's hard to like. He's not he treats people in the service industry like <laughs> absolute just, dog it's shit. Just like I told you so. Yeah, I mean, it's just like come I wish I wish the look on my face translated over my microphone because it's he's a bad dude he is a bad dude what do you think i've been talking about the last two years 
three oh, years. Oh, you didn't know. You didn't tell me all these stories. There's all like day after day these, these disturbing stories coming out, and you're like, <clears throat> is this guy even a human being? Because he doesn't act like it. He doesn't act like anything remotely re- resembling a human being. Like the okay, the farting in the doctor's face story. That was a funny one. It's kind of funny to me. That was kind of funny. And the doctor's taking Antonio Brown's body fat. First of all, he was three hours late for the meeting, and then the doctor's you know doing the body fat percentage meter on his chest and on his stomach and everything, and it's three percent, which is freaking incredible. But meanwhile, Antonio Brown is just ripping farts and smiling while his friend is videotaping him. And so that one was funny to me, and that's kind of like, all right, now we're just getting after Antonio Brown. But that's just one of the lighthearted stories, because there's some other ones, like where he hired the um, artist at a charity event who was doing a painting of him, and he outbid the highest bidder. He bid $700 for the uh, portrait of him that the artist was drawing, and he liked it so much, he was like, all right, I'm going to bid $700 for it, and $700 goes to charity, I'm going to get the painting, and then he speaks to the artist. And the next day, he had invited her to come over to his house because he wanted her to paint a mural uh, similar. And he said he would pay her $1,000 a day um, for her to paint the mural of him at his house. And, you know, the first day goes okay. You know, she, she had seen him already been with multiple women while, you know, she's there working on the mural. And then the next day, the second day... He, she's down on her knees doing the mural in his house and Antonio Brown comes up from behind her butt ass naked with nothing but a small little washcloth covering his penis. And, you know, she was just like, it got weird after that. And, you know, he did he did pay her the $2,000 that, that was owed, but she wasn't interested in him like that. Nothing happened at further than that, but that was just another incident. Yeah, I mean, And then you have the incident with the the Harvey chef. Weinstein of football. <laughs> well, then you have the incident with the chef. So you know how chefs use everything? Chefs use all, like, they'll use whatever, yeah, they use all the ingredients, you yeah. know? And so if there was leftover um, a fish head from the from um, cooking fish, he's going to use it in a fish stock in a couple days, right? Okay. So he had the fish... I love the analogy. You can't fucking make this shit up. No, no, wait, wait. I know this So he, he had the fish head in the, the... This is Antonio Brown's personal chef. He had cooked fish for dinner one night. Oh, hold and on. Then, it's glad to, I'm glad our buddy's back for season two. Not me, I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're in King. Mr. Beeps. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So Antonio Brown... Has his personal chef cook him a fish dinner one night. And so then, you know, the next day comes and, you know, the guy's name is Tedeschi. And, you know, he he's owed like $40,000 by Antonio Brown. But he's still doing his work, cooking for him. And the next day, Antonio Brown goes in the fridge and sees the fish head from the fish he had the night before in the fridge. Because the chef was going to use it for a fish stock. stock yeah. You know, in a coming day's recipe. Whether it be that day or the next day or whatever. But Antonio Brown took it as it was like a mafia hit. Like, the the chef was going to kill him. So Antonio Brown fired him and has refused to pay him. Because he thought the fish meant that you're going to be swimming with the fishes. Sleeping with with the fishes. Sleeping with the fishes. Sleeping with the fishes. Oh, my fucking God. Well, his first question, what's that fish look like? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and this is just three, those are just three of many many ridiculous well, so stories. God, what an asshole! I guess what I was getting to to go back. Do you think Ramsey gets what he wants? Does he get that trade? And if so, give me maybe your top two teams who makes that happen. So they want two first round picks. Yes. I, if he goes to the Chiefs, I'm gonna freak out as a Patriots fan. 
I think the Chiefs make that move if it if it comes to that. They'd be stupid not two to. Two first-round picks? Well, I mean, look what they have, Giant. This has got, in the next two years, they have to make that happen, in my mind, to win the championship. To compete they have Mahomes the for Patriots. 10 next 10 years, though. But I get that, but this team showed last year, like, they cannot play defense. That back and forth with the Rams, that back and forth, you know, with the Patriots, what they couldn't do and stop them on, on the defensive end last year, you know. Yeah, it, it scares it, me. It, it, it scares I mean, I think they, in a way, feel handcuffed to make that move if this guy is truly available. I think they do that. I, I think hope so. somebody swoops in like a Seattle or something. This this receiver by committee with Sammy Watkins last week, uh, two weeks in the beginning week, week one, and with Robinson. Demarcus week, Robinson. Yeah, week two. They show that they can let go of somebody, recoup some of those picks in the following year, too. Yeah, even Cole Hardman looked yeah, great. Yeah, and make these week. guys shine. So, you, I mean, I don't want to make you put a little cloud over the beginning of your phenomenal season so far, but the Chiefs might try to make that move. If it comes no, I'm up. hearing that they're, they are going to try it, and, and yeah. that you know makes me nervous. Uh, the one positive thing that, that I kind of take from it is that he's from the Nashville area, yeah. so he's, I'm thinking that he, or hearing that he may want to play for the Titans, but not, not that that really means much, because obviously the Titans have to be like, we want you. We and trade for him, him, but you're you're going from Jaguars to Titans. I feel like seems you're a little bit of a lateral move. Absolutely, he wants he wants to compete. Yeah, hopefully Seattle comes in and steals him away. That's that'd be great. Let's do that. Seattle. <laughs> All right, the the week that was uh, the Thursday game, the Buccaneers bested the Panthers at home, twenty to fourteen. Man, I fucking hate Jameis Winston. Do you see that that the clip that came out, the eating the W thing? Do you see that? He like puts up a like a like a uh, a, it's a sign. Yeah. yeah, like the West Side thing, right? And then he's like, that was from the Hard Knock season. He came up with. Uh, that. I remember that being on Hard Knock. God, I it just like came up because uh, everybody was talking about how much they hate Jameis Winston, and yeah, he sucks. Ugh, fuck that guy. And he's really cheap on FanDuel and DraftKings this week, so I know people are gonna try to use him again. <laughs> I, don't be lord. Don't fall for Don't it. Don't fall for it. So we, right. so we already, we already talked about a little bit about that Thursday game. It so we'll move on. It might look nice, but there's Antonio Brown behind you in a hand, with a exactly. handcuff over his junk. You're gonna uh, get screwed. <laughs> so we, uh, we also talked a little bit about the Steelers Seahawks. Obviously, um, Big Ben didn't finish the game. Went down halfway through. Uh, non-contact injury to his throwing elbow. Was uh, gonna need surgery for that. Out for the season. Uh, debut of Mason Rudolph, uh, his first pass as a professional football player. Uh, he made a mistake and he and he hit Dante Moncrief directly in the hands. Don't do that. Don't do that because he can't catch it. Pops into the air, it's intercepted. One target. You had one job on your one target. You dropping uh, three in week one. Oh my god! So and he was to Tomlin's credit. Usually Tomlin doesn't make this this savvy of. Uh, of coaching moves, but he sat him the rest of the game. So I think uh, if you're looking for good one on positive Nesto as a Steelers fans, it's the seven targets for seven catches for McDonald. Not oh, a lot yeah. of yards, but two, two touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah. Yep, yep, absolutely. That's one thing to take away from that for sure. And then also for our boy, Luke, him and James Washington have uh, have the, uh, the connection there. So we should be seeing uh, Mr. Washington if he hasn't dropped him already. 
getting some <laughs> targets in the coming last, weeks. Oh yeah, Mason Rudolph and, and James Washington were like in their their last year at Oklahoma State. It was unbelievable how many touchdowns they had. I think they eighteen touchdowns or something, something yeah. insane. So yeah, maybe, so maybe it's coming. So and there was they connected a lot in uh, in practice as well um, over the uh, the training camp. So. Uh, we wind up losing 28-26, to 26, mostly, I feel, on the back of the defense. Just, like, really giving up big chunk plays. Chicolo doesn't look like he fucking should be a professional football player. Uh, but hopefully, with uh, Fitzpatrick coming in... Um, that'll help, that'll that'll help, help, help. the secondary. I don't remember. Did Stefan Tuitt have a good year last year? He's kind of stand out in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, he had uh, two and a half sacks. It was yeah. a, it was a big game for him. Yeah, he was he was kind of a little bit of a force, given like you know what they were dealing with that game. But he was definitely a standout defensively. Mm-hmm. T.J. Watts also, you know, he had a sack, and he um, he's one of those guys that his contributions don't always show up on the stat sheet, but he's he's getting it done. So. It's, it's kind of one of those things. Uh, I'm actually kind of glad that Ben has gone down because I can officially put down my expectations and just enjoy what they do put out on the field um, without without feeling like, oh, shit, the window's closing. So, I guess uh, one question for Johnny fantasy-wise before we move on to the next game is Seahawks-wise, Johnny, is Rashad Penny and Chris Carson, is that going to be a, a double-headed monster all season long? You think somebody starts to get more carries? Out I of think that? Chris Carson's the lead, the lead guy. Okay, and he's catching more balls this year. So, all right. Um, Seattle is is a um, as you saw last year, they've become more of a run heavy team. So, yeah. you know, expecting Russell Wilson isn't going to throw the ball more than thirty times in a game. They are going to run it quite a bit, but I think that Carson's still going to be the sixty five to seventy percent Lions t- Lions share of the carries yeah. and the targets now from the backfield because he's been catching the the ball the first couple weeks. So, um, Penny on the low end, you know, good backup to have, but I wouldn't expect a lot from him. All right. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Cardinals go into Baltimore. Um, thoughts? Kyler Murray hung tough. Seventeen to twenty-three. Kid Ravens win. The ball, man. Turns he, out he can throw the ball. Well, he Who knew. Well, he well, we knew he could throw the ball. It's just seeing over the line. But he's got this interesting drop back where he does like a four or five step drop back, then takes. He almost throws off his back foot, which is where it might get him in trouble later on. But he just takes like almost two more steps back and just plants and throws again. Like he he sets, looks, and takes two specs. Feels like he's like just gaining that much more power or maybe that much more length. Uh, to look at it, I was, I was just softening the, the angle because he's so short. Well, yeah, he just takes a little bit of step out of the pocket. He just t- gets a little bit outside just to, so he can get that angle. I think if you know, I think you're going to see a lot of defenses scheme in the future of just trying to keep him in the pocket and not let him get outside that way. Easier said than done. I thought Detroit really did a great job in Week One, like you said. You know, they just got tired in the fourth quarter and they just balls like, down. Yeah, for sure. But uh, let's talk about the other quarterback who first time in uh, NFL to go for that many rushing yards and passing yards combined. But not true because Colin Kaepernick threw for 280 and ran for over 150. He's been erased from NFL history. You didn't know that? 
Who? Kaepernick threw for over 280 and ran for over 150 in a playoff game against the Packers. Maybe a regular, maybe a regular season well, then. Had to be. They, they're talking regular season. Okay. Because Kaepernick did it in the playoffs against the Packers. But there's no way NFL even acknowledges that it's no, true. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, but leading, you know, leading rusher for the team that week, uh, 120 yards. What we talked about, 16 attempts, three, uh, 272 yards passing, two touchdowns. 37 attempts. Uh, he hit that, uh, completed those for 24 out of the 37. Um, Andrews, another guy just stepping up right there as well for the Ravens. Uh, and yeah, Brown, he's and got Brown, about 30% of the team targets, which leads all tight ends year to date. He's All tight ends. Whoever, percentage whoever grabbed targets. him probably Steel. eighth, ninth, ninth round, maybe even 10th or 11th in fantasy this year. Yeah. Absolute steal. Lamar likes Andrews. Absolutely, and uh, makes me feel good because I got uh, Brown off waivers last week in one of my fantasy leagues, and that's two weeks in a row he's been yeah, a he heavy target. Good. I think I kid was is wrong fast. On him. Um, but you know, Ravens are two and zero. I think they're the real deal. This this guy has proved that he can throw. Ah, I'm curious. It's curious to see how Lamar does against a real team. He's played they're, Miami and Arizona, so I, I want to see him throw against. I could say the Real same. Team. Is Tom Brady really going to prove himself as a quarterback <laughs> in the league after the first two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy? Let's let's Who is all, this sixth round pick. <laughs> let's all agree though that regardless of how real he is, the Ravens are probably going to run away with this division. Yes, the Browns. Like I said, I think the Browns are going one and seven. <laughs> That's crazy. Think about it. okay. Well, all we'll right. get to that in a little bit. Um, Jimmy G and the San Francisco 49ers absolutely kicked the shit out of the Bengals, uh, which was one of the only things, um, that I had to really cheer about, uh, Sunday morning as I was at the bowling alley, which now has the Sunday ticket. Marty, it's a pretty good scene over there. Did you go? Yeah, we should. Yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't, uh, my game wasn't on the cable and I couldn't find a good cable. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't find a good stream. So uh, sound like my uncle Seymour, right? There. We're watching the, the tube on, on the, the cable. cable. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I think for me, just you know, uh, seeing it out of the corner of my eye on another television while I was watching my game, the the Bengals just looked atrocious. But offensively, they're moving the ball. Andy Dalton's second in passing yards this year with over seven hundred. Oh, yeah, yeah but they're not closing the deal. Oh, I don't mean well, the defensive horse. I don't care. I, obviously, they could go. They in still 16. only scored seventeen but points. I like Andy Dalton as a sneaky fantasy quarterback, especially with AJ Green, yeah, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, and Mixon at running back. I like. I like the yards. I like I the offense. Well, I picked up AJ. Zach Taylor's got a good offense. I got AJ Green out of a thirteenth pick in one of my leagues. I yeah. can't wait for him to come back with this offense. So. Mm-hmm. Looks um, like fun. John Ross is having a good start to the year. I tell you right, uh, right now with Debo Samuel out of South Carolina, that second round pick for. For 49ers is coming. I, he's a stud. I wanted the Pats to get Debo Samuel. Yeah. I. What do you? I mean, and, and Breda, 121 yards rushing. Is this team? Matt Breda. Yeah. Well, that was Raheem Mostert's breakout. Actually, yeah. Mostert, Mostert caught a lot of passes. Um, he he's the most talented of those backs. But Breda is is the lead dog right now until he gets hurt. But this with, is like, a team does. with Kittle and and Goodwin that can spread it out. Do you see this team being relevant? And Pettis and yeah. Debo Samuel. I mean, I mean, you're talking about how potent the Relevant. offense of the Beagles are. They did kind of keep it to a, at bay. But think about that, Marty. That so they're in a division with the Rams and the Seahawks. I think they can beat the Seahawks. 
Really? I think they can put enough points on the board to make the Seahawks have to score. I really think they can. It'd be interesting to see that, that first game. Might be a good game. game. Yeah, yeah, Garoppolo we'll against Russell Wilson when, when it happens. But I don't, I that, think so be, that's what they have to overcome. Yeah, I think it's going to be a sneaky a sneaky team because you couldn't scout them well with Garoppolo going out early last year. Like They might have something there that we just didn't expect Shanahan's to see. Shanahan's good offense. Yeah. All right. Uh, one of the games that really surprised me with the outcome, uh, the Chargers fell to the Lions 10-13. Yeah. Um, to 13. Fuck you, Phillip Rivers. The fuck happened? I don't it's know. Philip Rivers. I, I didn't man. see the game, but it was there it was, was bad ugly. calls though. Because there was bad calls. Yeah, the, the um, Chargers had a chance. At, well, they did My take God. the lead late, but it was wiped out because of a phantom holding. I don't call. know if we can avoid it. It could be a whole like two-hour segment of how the referees are already dictating games oh this God, season because it so showed awful. up in week two. Yeah, we should get to the Bears Broncos and the Raiders game for sure and the Saints. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so we'll we'll just keep them moving then. The Vikings lost to the Packers uh, with their home opener at Lambeau, sixteen to twenty-one. Not that it made a big difference, but it was a little bit of uh, it shaped the game a little bit with Diggs catching that long, I think seventy yards pass, taking off his helmet, pushed him back. They miss, you know, it just kind of changes changes the, scope of the, the game. complexion. Like, be a Fucking professional. Sorry, like, you I mean, but honestly, like, what are you thinking in that moment right there? Also, something to note, like, Rodgers getting into it with the head coach, too, early on. They're, they're firing out of the cylinder early on. They hit a couple of stagnant drives, and there it is, Rodgers being a fucking baby again and demanding this and demanding that. He's just not going to let go of the reins to let this coach do his job. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out this year. And Johnny's going to love to see it fall apart if that's, if that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really pin a lot of this loss on Cousins just yes. just not holding his water. Uh, he had no reason to try and, and force that pass with four minutes right. left into the end zone for the interception, which was which was the nail in the coffin in this game. Um, you know, they brought him in. Because he's supposed to be a, a, a veteran with experience and poise and and skill, and he has he's declining s- rapidly. Yeah, he's, he's just not living he's up a very to one uh, to two, possibly dimensional quarterback. Through the backs aren't afraid to go one on one and make him do the work. They're yep. really not. They're really not at all. And if it wasn't for Cook rushing the football right now, this team would be obliterated by yeah, both. Cook's by, breaking by, up big time. Yeah. And to do it against the team, you know, against a defense, knowing that this quarterback can't pass that well, I mean... Well, they still have Thielen and Diggs and Rudolph, and, you know, they have weapons offensively, so they should ideally be a threat with Cook. Cook, Thielen, and Diggs alone, that's that's an all-pro threat right there. You've got three all-pro players. So what is it going to take? Something's got to give. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. There's a lot of money invested in that guy, but I'd say by week five or six, if he's... Still putting up subpar numbers with a QB rating that can't even get over the you know the, the rating of sixty. He's going to be out of there. Something yeah, something's got to give. But yeah, we should keep it moving here. Keep it moving. Uh, Jaguars lose by one to the Texans. Gardner Minshew had a chance to win. They went for the win, but they didn't get it. They went for two points, two point conversion at the end of the game after they scored a late touchdown. But they, you gotta love that though, right? Yeah. You, you gotta love gotta love the balls there. If you're gonna lose, lose that way. Just it's it's just bad the Nick Foles that went down. I think this Jaguar team defensively had something for sure and could have had something offensively. 
it's going to be interesting to see how this team plays out for the rest of the season. Do they unload? Do they let go? You know, Jalen, the, the, the Pro Football Talk had an article today that came out that said last year after the Jaguars beat the Patriots in the regular season, they acted like they had legit won the, won the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl. Yeah. and then they haven't been the same team since. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of the Patriots, uh, go back into Miami looking for revenge. Ah, uh, and holy shit, did they get it, Marty? When you call, when you called the line thirty five, and that they would cover, oh, they God. did that and then some. Forty three nothing. I created a Vegas bet odd for that and go twenty to one. And the sad, I guess the, the saddest thing from that game, man, was to call a timeout with one second left to try to get a touchdown, just to throw one more interception. Well, the Patriots <laughs> were trying really hard for the shot. The Patriots called a timeout with with under a minute to go yeah. to reset their defense. So, yeah. And Brady was passing the ball on the last drive that they scored a touchdown all the way down the field. He was in the shotgun. Right. They were up 36 yeah. to nothing, and they're in the shotgun going for it with under four minutes to go. Yeah, there, really, there was I, definitely a chip on the shoulder. Well, I was about to say, I want to text. I think it was the Belichick sending a message to the team, the Patriots, because last year in Miami they backed off a little too soon, and then that – Miracle in Miami play yeah. happened. That this year they were playing a full sixty in Miami. Yep, yeah. that makes all. sense. I don't think ex-assistant coach. Yeah. You know, just I don't think I don't think it was that. Around, you know? All right, maybe they were trying to go for the exact. Uh, they wanted to score uh, as many points as Tom Brady is old. Side note: Brady surpassed a thousand yards rushing for his career. He hit that. He hit the thousand mark last year, but yeah, but he got it. sacked. Over. It. Oh, he got sacked. Yeah, he, yeah, he got sacked. So, so well, how do we? What do we think of Antonio Brown? He played twenty four snaps. He caught what four balls. He looked really good. They. I mean, when He's you have talented. when he you've got Tom Brady throwing to you, that back shoulder grab in the end zone oh, for the touchdown was, was beautiful. Just, and he could have had another touchdown with Brady on the threw it. He yeah. fucking took out a poor lady in the stands, though. Did you yeah, he see over, that? He overshot. He overshot the celebration. Just fucking. That's got to be something. You're you're there. You're at the game. You've she'll, got she'll file a harassment suit next week. <laughs> you're at the game. You got a beer in your hand. You got your cell phone out, and then a two hundred pound, well, buck ninety wide receiver just throws himself into you wearing full pads. She definitely limped away from that one, but got a story out of it. So good for her. Yeah, Miami eleven first downs. Two out of 15 and third down conversions. Net yards throughout the whole game, 184. This ship is going down fast. It's going to be interesting to see like, how it's treated. There's been a lot of guys talking about going to the Players Union, thinking the organization is you know, just blatantly tanking for that pick, that they want to be protected, they want their salaries and their futures physically to be protected. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for this organization for sure. One of my favorite things about this game was there was a moment where Josh Rosen uh, had gotten hurt, and he, he, you know, so they took him out, you know, for the for the next play, and then Miami calls a timeout so as to not have Fitzpatrick take another snap and put Josh Rosen back Rosen's in. Rosen's arm looked really good. He was firing missiles. He wasn't yeah. really on target, but. <laughs> they were going far. Yeah, no, he had nice, he had a strong arm. Yeah. Alrighty, uh, the Bills pulling out against the Giants, as they call it, their second home, being in New York, beating the Jets and beating the Giants, twenty-eight to fourteen. Ah, uh, yeah, and going back to what we said, I mean, that's just another dying ship. Is the New York Giants right now? 
does not look good. They're awful. Um, so, you know, Buffalo getting, you know, the best end of that, playing these two teams back-to-back first week. Uh, it'd be interesting to see when they match up with an actual good team. Break out the Bills. They're 2-0. <laughs> they might be 3-0 and going into the Patriots matchup in Buffalo. Two 3-0 and teams. That'll be fun. There'll be a lot of people getting drunk and breaking tables. <laughs> They're not allowed to bring tables anymore. They don't it's even illegal. sell them. What? They don't even sell do tables in Buffalo. What in Buffalo they anymore. Just <laughs> keep drinking. Light themselves on fire. I've been to that stadium twice. Circles. It's an Just like choke slams into windshields or something. Yeah. I don't know. They'll think of something. I'm a big fan of Josh Allen, though. I'm sorry. The kid's a competitor. I like I like his style. And not, what? Maybe, but his small hands can concern me. In the winter time in Buffalo, I you know I'd love to I'd love to see the Bills be a good team again. You know they might be, and, and I think they got the only one who ever I said think that. they got a great doublehead monster with Gore and Singletary. My mom's from Tonawanda, man. Well, now we know why you said it. <laughs> my boy, my boy Cole Beasley with his first breakout game as a Bill with eighty-four yards. See how they utilize him from here on out. There's a lot of drunk idiots I'd love to see celebrate. Can you imagine what would happen? In downtown Buffalo, if the Bills won the fucking Super Bowl, it'd be they would just burn yeah. the whole thing down. It'd sink into Lake Erie. Is that the right lake? I think that is the right lake. Okay. Black hole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, the Colts heading into Tennessee, uh, and we got to see a little bit of what we thought we would see week one, and they pull it out, nineteen to seventeen. Jacoby Brissett, the T. Y. Hilton. Yeah. Rough, rough, rough game for Vinatieri. Questions if he was actually going to retire after that game. Murmurs like, you'll see me Monday. Will we see you Monday? You'll see me Monday. Will so, we, though? I don't know. He's not, <laughs> he said he's not retiring. Now they talked him out of it. Yeah. He's the g- greatest of all time. Okay, moving right along. Uh, the Cowboys Woo-hoo. and the Redskins in possibly the most racist matchup of all time. Come on. <laughs> I, no, I, no, I mean, come I on. No. <laughs> hey, we tried. A to... literal Cowboys versus Indians. That's right. Here come we on, go. It's childhood all over again. Cow- another, another amazing performance with with Dak Prescott. Uh, probably could have been another almost perfect uh, QB rating. It was a tipped uh, pass for the interception. That was the only interception uh, of the game. But on, honestly, should have probably should have been caught. Um, but once again, uh, Kellen Moore's offense. Letting him push it downfield has proven to be uh, a great fit, and Dak is hungry this year, and this and this team is hungry, and it's not the same way I was feeling last year. Like you know, these guys are gonna let me down. They're looking okay, but they're gonna let me down. I actually think this team is in it to win it this year, and they have the right parts to make it happen. I, I you know, Johnny, I think we might. Especially now with Drew Brees being out for six games and them falling behind, because that's the game that was going to be a toughie at yeah, New Orleans. We have an open lane to uh, take it right with home field advantage in the playoffs to be there. If, if barring no injuries on our side, Gallup is out two to four weeks. But with that said, I mean, you know, you still with Devin Smith stepping up this past game, who had a great game. Uh, you know, you're still spreading out to Cooper and Witten and Cobb and Jarwin. I think they are a a force to be reckoned with in the league for sure. Okay. 
Uh, Chiefs head into Oakland and uh, beat the shit out of them. 28-10. to 10. Knock on some wood if you're with me. 28 <laughs> of those points come in the second quarter, I believe, correct? For Patrick Mahomes? All four of those touchdowns? Yes, uh, it was. I didn't see the Absolutely. game. Absolutely. Second quarter. He, first time, uh, and I can't remember how many games from the start of the beginning of the season last year for him, they didn't score in the first quarter. Everybody's talking, are the Chiefs in trouble? And the guy goes out for almost over 250 yards in the second quarter to score 28 points. But then they, just, they go quiet after. Well, they just shut the studio down. Tupac and Biggie's done. They, they dropped their tracks. It's time to move on. It's good. <laughs> they moved on, man. Why, what else do you need to do after that? Oh, man. But he was back to his no-look sidearm throwing ways as usual, which is going to it's gonna bite him in the ass sooner or later for sure. Johnny's not going to talk about this. He doesn't want to talk about the Chiefs. I just have no interest in talking about the Chiefs. <laughs> All right, moving right along, we'll get to the Bears heading into the Mile High City, 16-14. to 14. There is a viable kicking option in Chicago again. Yes. Hey, Pinero! Pinero living Pinero. in the moment. He's loving the moment. Oh, hey. God. You'd have, by, the, by the reaction of that game-winning kick, you would have thought that that happened in the NFC Championship game. Hey, and he proclaimed that. The Bears do now have a kicker. Why not? Why not? <laughs> it's week two, buddy. I don't care, but why not? Why not own your moment right there and get you a contract? He had three. He had three kicks over forty yards. Two over fifty. It's in Denver. I could kick a forty-yarder in Denver. <laughs> I get tickets for that. We're gonna start a GoFundMe account. If you guys can get us enough money I'm in built Denver, up, we'll go. You know, my sister lives we'll out go. there, so right. I, I, you know what? Next time I go out there, I'll I'll prove it to you. I can, I'll get a forty yarder. Fair enough. <laughs> Might not go through the that, uprights, that, but it'll go forty yards. That fucking thin air did not help Trubisky, who went for one hundred and twenty yards total in that in that stadium. He looks atrocious. I don't know what is going on with this kid. He has taken. Three or four big steps back. From Sometimes where he up was with last their year. offense. Their offense seems funky. I gotta think some of the blame has to be placed on Nagy, the uh, the head coach, offensive coordinator, because you know what you have, right? You know what you have. You know what he does well. You know what he doesn't do well. I think good offensive coordinator, coordinators and coaches, uh, much like uh, McVay did for Goff, they know what their quarterbacks can do well and can't do well, and they tailor a system around it. And I think Trubisky kind of, you know, he should be improving, which he's not. So there is some burden on him. But I just want to pass a little bit of blame over to Nagy because their offense looks like shit. And I don't think it all belongs on Trubisky. All right, fair enough. But I feel right now, if we're looking ahead into that crystal ball for the future, uh, looks like Green Bay might walk with that division, division the way the Vikings and Bears are playing right now. Something's got to change. Something's got to give. Mm. Offensively for both those teams. Yeah, the Bears had a had a tough road from the get go with their schedule being yeah. what it is. It's just uh, it's a brutal brutal schedule. So uh, repeating twelve and four, I just thought it was never really going to be realistic for them this year. Right. Flip side, pretty decent game for Flacco. Two hundred ninety two yards. Did sling it 50, 50 times, but an emergence of of somebody who we thought might not come back and. In playing form, and that's Sanders, who had 98 yards and one great grab in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown for Denver. Could have easily been Denver's game for sure. Uh, just some weird blown calls. Well, the end of the game, so, the it's, so they score the late touchdown with yeah. Emmanuel Sanders, and that gets them to uh, within one. 
They want to go for two. Yeah, so they're they're gonna go for they're gonna go for two, and then they got a penalty, and so they said, you know what? Now it's too far. We're gonna kick the it's extra so point. So they they try to kick the extra point, but then Bears the Bears commit outside. a penalty. So then it goes back to the one yard line, and so the Broncos are like, okay. We're going to go for two again. So yep. they line up to go for two, and then there was a penalty on them. So then... Push them back. No, wait, but the field goal try by the Broncos missed. Yes. And they're right. The Bears were offside, and so yes. they, they got a chance to go, go for it. Yeah. And then they get it to go ahead, and then there's 30-something seconds, 34 seconds left on the yeah. clock, and then there's this horrendous roughing the passer call on Trubisky. Horrible call. My Horrible, call. Horrible call. Horrible call. Another he was talking in about the, the grasp as the, the ball was coming out yes. of Trubisky's hands. This is one of the big, big, big ref blown calls of the week. And so, and it was fourth down. Yeah. It was fourth down. And so the game was going to be over, but no. Here comes party the time. The Bears Panera. get a first down. Yeah. And then one more pass with six seconds to go on the clock. They pass it down the field. They, they catch it and they're, they call a timeout as the one second clock was disappearing. And so with one second left, they get a chance of 53 yards for Eddie Pinheiro to come out. That was after review, too. After review, Look, yeah. We're going to put one second back it's, on the clock. And if, that, if the fix isn't in the on team. that game, if the fix wasn't in on that game, the fix isn't in on any game. Right. But I think the fix was in on that game. It's, I agree. I agree. It's, How it's, could it on. not be? You're at there. All you're those ways. You're in Denver, and you call against Denver, and it was blatant that he did not get that call in time. Yeah, I, I don't know. That game was sketchy as fuck. <laughs> All right. Speaking of blown calls, uh, we had the NFC Championship rematch between the Saints and the Rams in the Coliseum, and obviously Drew Brees goes down and uh, changes the entire complexion of the game and. Changes the complexion of the Saints' season going forward. They lose nine to twenty-seven. That but was, before that was a six-three game at halftime. That well, was before halftime, yeah. Cameron Jordan intercepts. Was it intercepted or a fumble recovery? No, it was interception. Okay. There's no because so they got Goff was throwing the ball while he was inside their 10, 15 yard line mm-hmm. going in. And Goff was getting hit, and the ball, was, he was about to th- go, his arm was about to go forward, but it wasn't. And the ball, they bat the ball out, Cameron Jordan recovers it, and runs the ball 90 yards for the touchdown. Blown dead. Blown dead, yes. because the the ref blew the whistle early, which is something the ref said they were not going to do this year. Yeah. They were going to let the plays play out. Especially so, because you have the, the benefit of review. There's no reason not to let that just... Play, Play out. It out. Yeah, doesn't change the game. Doesn't change the game. So instead of that the Saints the getting the touchdown and having a thirteen to three lead, that could have been the soundbite of the week too. In, in the post game conference, he's just like, "So the Footlocker, oh, I mean the referee, yeah, was basically good. saying like he doesn't earn that jersey. Might as well be working at Footlocker." Yeah, alluding to that fact. And then he it said, was "No great offense he, to Footlocker." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great way to go about it. He didn't really say anything like direct. But he just knew how to slide it in that they just got completely screwed out of the game. I, I don't know. The, between the Chicago game and that game, the referees just definitely dictated a couple key moments right there for sure. Uh, nice breakout game for Cup for uh, the Rams in that game. Oh, he sure. had a nice long run. Yeah. Or catch and run. Uh, but, yeah, once, once Breeze went down and after that call, it was pretty much goodbye city for the Saints. 
they're gonna have a rough road ahead uh, with Breeze out. So what do they do? I mean, they're paying Bridgewater $7 million a year, so it's likely going to be Bridgewater, but I think they should go Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill seems a lot more dynamic, a lot more things you can do with him. Bridgewater looked horrendous. He, he looked, looked like he he's looked classic. Like he didn't want to be there. Classic, like, look right, throw right, yeah. you know, Trubisky style, like, not yeah. no hope. I mean, this, Sean Payton's going to have to, he just got a contract extension, Sean Payton, before the game started mm-hmm. that five day, years, five right? years. He's gonna have. He's gonna earn that contract extension if he goes with Bridgewater as his quarterback because he's gonna have to coach him up really, really hard. Um, but in my opinion, I, I think you know you should go with Taysom Hill. He's just. I think in that he, division you can't. He gets go, it more. Yeah, I don't think you can go too far. I think you maybe give it one, two games if they don't come out out on top or he squeaks by with, you know, two horrible performances. They will move on from that from uh, the Bridgewater experiment for sure. And now moving on to the Sunday night game. The Battle of the Birds. Eagles head to Atlanta to face the Falcons. Uh, I got a question. Johnny, do the Falcons know they are allowed to run the ball? Uh, no, they don't like to run the ball. I don't know. They're, yeah, it just seems that they got pass happy with Matty Ice, and he's chucking it all over the field, and they're okay with it. Yeah, that was uh, 43 pass attempts to 17 run attempts in that game. And do the Eagles, or does Carson Wentz know it's okay to not get hit sometimes? <laughs> I love it when he gets hit. Anyway, but like, I well, I thought that game was a lock in, in some ways for the Eagles until they got that long, was it 60-something yard uh, screen pass to Julio Jones towards the end of the game, which pretty much sealed the that deal for That was a great play to watch. It was, it was, was fourth that was, down. That was a check down. He read, I mean, Matt Ryan read that perfectly, and it was a great call in that moment, but whoa. How do you not double that guy in that situation? Yeah, that was a phenomenal play. It was fun to watch. Okay, and finally, on Monday night, we had the Battle of the Flags. Who can get more penalties, the Browns or the Jets? The Browns wind up winning 23-3. to OBJ had a big breakout game, one-handed catch, you know, 169 yards, 89-yard touchdown. Big OBJ night. You had to feel bad for the Jets in this game. Sam Darnold's out with mononucleosis, which I wasn't even aware you could get as an adult. Some <laughs> there was a few Maybe. girls in the stands that said, I gave, I gave them all a mono. mono. <laughs> it's some great Marstool sports footage, too, of like how you get mono as Maybe, well. Maybe he was hanging out with uh, Felipe Vasquez. I had mono when I was young. Kissing high schoolers. Is it mono that bad? It's considered That's a, the kissing disease. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, touching your lips to a dirty fountain in elementary school or you know make making out in the stairway. You know, sliding your tongue across the cafeteria table. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows how you get it. I mean, he probably just picked out the best uh, Triton Jersey girl in the stands week one and kissed her. <laughs> <laughs> so see Seaman went down uh, fairly early, leaving. Oh, there was... <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, just a bad segue. Last name for what we're talking about, right there. Leaving, leaving um, the third string quarterback Falk to uh, to finish out the game. And base, I don't know if you saw the hit. Uh, it looked like his ankle broke clear off his leg. Oh, that was brutal. It was so brutal. Apparently, he walked off of his own volition. He so did. good, yeah. so good for him in that regard. Uh, maybe it won't be as bad um, as it seemed. Uh, the uh, the coach was asked. 
you know, after after the injury and in into halftime, um, should Falk go down, who would be uh, be taking snaps? And Le- Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell, Bell was was next in line, so uh, that'd be interesting to see. I would I would love to watch that freak show happen. So um, yeah, I mean, not a lot to talk about here. Man, B- Baker looks. Um, he made smarter decisions this week. But, but he's yet, still making really yet, stupid decisions. You you feel like he should he should have a little more patience than he does. He's just hungry. I just think this is a very Brett Favre s type kid who's just trying to force way too much. The problem, guys, is the offensive line is god awful terrible. Freddie Kittens does not know what he's doing as head coach. He's designed all these plays that target the receivers down the field. So when you have a bad offensive line. It doesn't mix. When you have a bad offensive line, you can't have downfield passing plays as your your yeah. primary go-to for your offense. You have to work the short passing game and the checkdowns, and you have to run the ball and commit to run with Nick Chubb. And they're not doing that. They're just kind of letting Baker Mayfield flash off his arm, flash off his throwing arm. It's not working, and it's not gonna improve because their schedule is a hell of a lot tougher the next few weeks. Like I said, I think they're going to go 1-7 because the bad offensive line and their offensive philosophy is not meshing, and I think it spells doom for the Browns going forward. Yeah, after the, the we, we got Rams, Ravens, 49ers, Seahawks, and that could, that's and Patriots after their bye week. So yeah, that is, so that's that what rough. I see going into that Patriots game. They're not, they're not going to be in good shape. Yeah. Also in the realm of bad coaching, why in the hell is Baker Mayfield dropping back to pass with – under a minute to go left in the game when it's when you're up by 20 like why aren't you in victory formation or at the very least running the ball like it doesn't this mind that there's supposed to be this high flying offense or just padding their stats even that much more and just trying to create a highlight reel it really is like, but he's taken he he took a sack in that situation yeah. and it just seems unacceptable unacceptable to me yeah. to have your uh, your franchise quarterback taking hits when the game's already over, they're, yeah, like I said, they're going to be one and six or two, two and six, two and five at best after that Patriots game. Yeah. Okay. So that's the week that was. We'll take a quick look back to um, some of the picks that we made last week against the spread. Uh, Johnny, uh, you wound up seven and eight uh, on picks against the spread for week two. Not Although good. we'll give you we'll give you a little bit of a a pass on the Browns-Jets game because we didn't know that uh, Darnold was going to be out with the mono, and right. obviously your your pick would have shifted uh, based on, on having that information. So we'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. Thank you. And the new thing that we're doing this week, the contested picks, uh, you guys wound up even. Uh, Johnny, you had picked the Packers minus 2.5, uh, the Colts plus 3, and the um, Ravens uh, minus thirteen and a half. No, I had the um, Cardinals. Cardinals, excuse me, sorry. Yeah, the Cardinals uh, plus thirteen and a half. And Marty won with the Cowboys minus four and a half, the Rams minus three, and the Browns. But again, uh, that one's a little bit tainted because we didn't have all the information at the time. Tainted with semen. Tainted. <laughs> Jesus. Don't edit that out. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> okay, Johnny, if you want to lay your picks for next week on us. 
Week 3 begins this Thursday night, like we said earlier, on September 19th. We have the 1-1 Tennessee Titans at the 0-2 Jacksonville Jaguars. The Titans are 1.5 point favorites um, as a road favorite going into Jacksonville. And, yeah, I'm going to go Tennessee minus 1.5. Okay. Moving on to Sunday, uh, September 22nd. Start off with a 1 o'clock game for the 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals visiting the 2-0 Buffalo Bills. Buffalo is minus 6. When's the last time the Bills were minus 6? It's been a while. It's probably been like a decade plus. So I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go Bills minus 6 over the Bengals. Uh, The next game we have is the Miami Dolphins. 0-2, tanking for Tua at Marty's Dallas Cowboys, who are 2-0. Line on this one is O, oh, a measly Dallas minus 21.5. Um, I'm going to go with the Dolphins plus 21 and a half here. Right, I'm taking Dallas. Okay. All right. Our first contested pick of week three. <laughs> this is the first time in, I think, 30 something years that we've had two, since 1990, I believe. That we've had two games in the same week with an over 20 point point spread. So the next game is the 0 2 Jets at the 2 0 Patriots. The Patriots are minus 22.5. I like the Jets to cover here. Um, I, my concern is the Patriots' offensive line has sustained too many injuries with Andrews and Wynn being out, and they have all these new guys who are not quite up to par. Uh, the Jets have a good defensive line, defense. combined with Greg Williams, yeah. who will come after you. As we've no, we've we know this, you know it's been proven. Um, I'm a little bit worried about Brady this week, guys. After seeing what happened yeah. to Breeze and Ben, knowing the Patriots' offensive line, knowing the Jets' defensive <clears throat> line, and then knowing how big of an asshole scumbag Greg Williams is as a defensive coordinator, I'm concerned about Brady. I'm concerned about the 22 and a half point spread. Uh, so I got the Jets this week. Get them out when you get the lead. Right. Uh, the next game is the 0-2 Denver Broncos at Aaron Rodgers' 2-0 Green Bay Packers. Packers are a 7.5-point favorite. I'm going to go with the Broncos, plus 7.5 on the road. I'm going to take Green Bay. Next up, we have the 1-1 Falcons at the 1-1 Colts. Indy is minus 2 here. And uh, Darius Leonard... The great young linebacker for the Colts is in concussion protocol. So I'm going to go with the Falcons on the road here. Uh, Falcons are getting two. So Falcons plus two here I got. Next up, we have the 2-0 Ravens at the 2-0 Chiefs. This is going to be the game of the week. Chiefs are a six-and-a-half point favorite. And this was a really good game last year. The Ravens having a chance to win. It went in overtime and they lost. This year, I am going to take the points again. I'm going to go Ravens plus six-and-a-half. I'll take the Chiefs at home. All right. Next up, we have the 1-1 Raiders at the 1-1 Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings are eight-point favorites at home. I'm going to take the Raiders plus eight here. And after that... I think the Raiders win that game. uh, Minnesota's a tough place to play. Yeah. But I just I you know they played the Chiefs last week so they're they're under undervalued I feel yeah. like I feel like they're undervalued after getting blown out last week. Um, next up is the Lions one zero and one at the one one Eagles. The Eagles are a six and a half point favorite at home after a tough loss last night uh, last Sunday night. Um, man, this is a tough one because I, I I to me it looks like the Lions getting six and a half 
it would be the play. It seems like it's a little too much, but... Yeah, so it seems like it's a little too much. It seems like a sucker's bet here. I'm going to go Eagles minus six and a half. Next up, we have... I'll, t- I'll take Detroit right there. Plus six and a half? You're yeah. going to take Detroit? Okay. I think it's going to be a shootout, just like with the uh, Falcons. Okay, next up, we have the Carolina Panthers, 0-2, at the Arizona Cardinals, 0-1-1. Panthers are minus two and a half point favorites at Arizona. I like Arizona to come out victorious in this game. Uh, so I'm going to take Arizona as a home dog, plus two and a half. All right, next up for the 4 o'clock games, we have the 0-2 Giants with Daniel Jones at quarterback at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 1-1. Tampa Bay is minus 6.5. Don't think they should be minus 6.5 over anyone. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Giants, plus 6.5 here. Ooh, I'll take Tampa Bay right there. Okay. Mimics 5, right? Moving Those along. are your 5? Are you going to do a six? We're going to do a six. Okay. we got one more left. In All right. We have the Texans, one-on-one, at the, at the L.A. Chargers, one-on-one. Chargers are minus three-point favorites at home. This is a tough one. Two head-scratching teams so far in two weeks right now. Toss a coin on this yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would stay away from this bet if I was anybody else. Oh, absolutely. Of this. Unless you you, know, you like roulette, roulette and betting like yeah. red or black. Right. Um, yeah, I'd go. I'm going to go Texans on the road. But that's a coin toss. Uh, next up after that, we have the 0-2 Steelers at the 2-0 49ers. The 49ers are a 6.5 point favorite. It's, it's just an odd line to see against the Steelers in San Francisco. Um, I'm going to go Steelers. Put up a fight here. I'll take Steelers plus 6.5. Next up, we have the 1-1 Saints at the 2-0 Seattle Seahawks. The Saints didn't go home. They traveled from L.A. straight up to stay in Seattle for the week. Uh, so Seattle's minus four. Saints will be out without Drew Brees. Four is a fishy line to me. What's up with that? Would, I'd expect it to be more without Brees. Or whatever. Call me a sucker. I'm taking the Seahawks minus four here. Might be the sucker, though. Uh, next up, we have the 8 o'clock Sunday night football game. Is the 2-0 Rams at the 1-1 Browns. The Rams are minus three. Uh, bet the house on the Rams minus three. Going Browns, baby. Actually, go to the bank, take out a loan, and take out... Take, Bet the Rams. Going Browns. And that is your final contested... Uh, go get some pick. fake licenses made up <laughs> and security cards and take out loans on their names. Bet the Rams. <laughs> minus three. <laughs> All right, and finally, we have Monday Night Football. The Bears, 1-1 one one at the 0-2 Redskins. The Bears are four-point favorites at Washington. I think Washington... We'll lose, but we'll keep it closer than that. So I'm going to take the Redskins at home. I'm on NA football plus four. All righty. And that does it for our look ahead to week three. And that probably does it for this episode of the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all of our stuff uh, on Facebook and on Instagram at Green Mountain Sports. Uh, you can find Johnny at the Green Mountain Grinder. That's Green MT Grinder on Twitter. Make sure you give him a bunch of shit if you put all your money on the LA Chargers and they wind up losing. And Marty is correct. And thanks again for listening. Anything else, boys? Have a great week. Have a great Enjoy week. Again. Enjoy the uh, Ravens Chiefs game. <laughs>